0: You can stat yourself. There are easy ways to stat yourself. And we'll give you some of the most important ones that you should be definitely 100% paying attention to.
1: Yeah, I like it. I mean, stats, is always, it's always a tricky one, you know, because just like you said, it, it can be misleading a little bit. Mm-hmm. But the great thing about stats is that it's a way for you to measure yourself individually. I think sometimes people do get caught up in that race of, am I better than this person? you know? Mm -hmm. Oh, especially when we're like, when you want to play with someone and they pick another partner and then you're like, but my side out percentage is better, you know? Like, but there's Mm -hmm. so many other things that go into account, but it is a really, really good tool to use to see how your personal growth is going. And I think as long as people are using it the right way, it's a great tool to have.
0: And then there's stuff that, that hides that are not really statistically taken or people don't pay attention to that are the most crucial part of the game. And for me, that's setting. What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Bitter at Beach Volleyball podcast. My name is Mark Burick and my co-host, my best friend, Brandon Joyner. How you doing, buddy? I'm good. So today, we're just going to talk quickly about stats how to take them which ones are the most important and you know kind of comparing yourself to what wins tournaments or or we also have some stats from the 2016 olympics what wins the olympics everybody has to take what we say here with i don't know i guess you say a grain of salt but uh You got to be careful when you're taking your own statistics because stats at a certain level won't necessarily get you there. Because like for us, you and me, you know, maybe we could side out at 800 or 80 or 90% at a B an A, a double a tournament and if we talk about how those relate to the better defenders you know what statistics you really need to win at your level there are things that you should definitely just pay attention to and i wouldn't try to compare yourself to the top 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 players that we're about to give you you know the stats that win olympics are they're going to change because they are against the best defenders and blockers in the world Right. And the digs per game, you know, we're we're looking at five or six uh, digs per game to be the top of an AVP tournament or the top of a FIVB tournament. And if you're at a B or an A tournament, you're going to triple our number Mm -hmm. of digs. Right. So just, you know, take a look at that. Make sure that you guys are just paying attention. You know, you can stat yourself. There are easy ways to stat yourself. And uh, we'll give you some of the most important ones that you should be definitely 100% 100% paying attention to.
1: Yeah, I like it. I mean, stats is always, it's always a tricky one, you know, because just like you said, it, it can be misleading a little bit, mm-hmm. but the great thing about stats is that it's a way for you to measure yourself individually. I think sometimes people do get caught up in that race of, am I better than this person? you know? Mm -hmm. Oh, especially when we're like, when you want to play with someone and they pick another partner and then you're like, but my side out percentage is better, you know, like, but there's Mm -hmm. so many other things that go into account, but it is a really, really good tool to use to see how your personal growth is going. And I think as long as people are using it the right way, it's a great tool to have.
0: And then there's stuff that, that hides that are not really statistically taken or people don't pay attention to that are the most crucial part of the game. And for me, that's setting Mm -hmm. i i think setting is the most important part of the game bar none it's the end all be all for attackers for offense for transition and there is such a difference in feel for each setter there are sets that look reasonable but are they perfect you know do they really put that person in the best system and unfortunately we don't actually have a stat that Mm -hmm. really measures you know setting perfection you know i think you can really measure is like oversets. And then some people like their set tighter, some people like it off. So a great set, you know, that visually looks like a great set for somebody. They might actually just hate that, you know, because of either the way it came out, how high or low it was, the rhythm of it. So with all of this, I'd wish there were a way for people to stat setting, but you want to have some kind of reasonable way that you can track it. And the number one thing I'll just say is limit oversets if you are oversetting more than one ball per set that is that's it it's too much you know i'd much rather get set a bunch at nine or ten feet than it's already in the blockers hands so what if i'm keeping the ball alive instead of killing it at least i'm keeping the ball alive
1: yeah and i i think especially for all of our listeners who are beginner intermediate who fall into that category Mm -hmm. for some reason, that's the crew that almost invites setters to overset more, Mm -hmm. you know, it's weird because they're like, Oh, put me on the net. And it's this, five, eight person who, but I think that that's a big thing. And I know we're talking about stats right now, but if you're an attacker, be okay with saying, Hey, if you're going to miss miss off, you know, cause then it it just gives you the ability to work around the block. It allows you to, to still have an idea of where you're putting the ball. And still so many times we see a lot of people setting too tight. So uh,
0: without getting into those stats, guys, limit your oversets make it 0 just count on your hands how many times you're you're oversetting and if it's more than 1 we'll figure it out and and get rid of it you know I, I, we'll we'll say that just to start and that's something that we the only thing we can count is really Oversets versus non-oversets or sets that the blocker can immediately grab versus yeah. can can my hitter make a decision.
1: Or if it's a fault, like if it's a double or a lift, if it gets <laughs> called as an illegal play. So I, before we get, I love this conversation that we're about to dive into about stats and, and what people should think about being, especially in gameplay, like that's going to be the conversation that we're going to have a lot when Mark gets back. But whenever we're thinking about individual stats, something that I want you guys to keep in mind is that it is an individual thing, right? So a statistic that you guys can start working on by yourselves, whether you have a team to play against or not, are statistics of your accuracy of passing, of your accuracy of serving, of your accuracy of attacking, you know? And we don't even need other people on the other side of the net. And that's that's something that can show you how these goals are kind of growing or how you're getting closer to your goals. You know, for instance, whenever you're at practice and you're doing these things, there are statistics that you can take on your own that deal with your passing, you know? And so one thing that's really, really cool is, let's say you're just starting out and every single month you could have a test day. So let's say... The test for passing would be that you're going to receive 10 serves. Okay. And then you draw a a circle right in the setter spot, maybe make it four by four feet or square, whatever you want to make it, and get those 10 serves and see how many times you can pass into that square. That's something where you don't even need another team. You just need somebody that can serve at you. And maybe the first month that you test, you only get two out of 10, right? So you're passing at 20%. That doesn't mean that the other passes are bad, but it shows you how many of those balls that you can actually get into that area. Maybe the next month you go up to three out of 10. You know, So now you're starting to see an improvement in your skill. I guarantee you, if you do this once a month and you have practices within that month that are focusing on the skills that you're trying to accomplish, then you're going to start to see yourself rise. These are statistics that you can take on yourself. I think a lot of people, they completely ignore this. They don't go out to the beach and and hit 10 high lines into a two by two foot square and say, I can do this one out of 10 times. You know, be honest with yourself. It's kind of hard to do that because a lot of the times you're going to feel like you fail. We're taught, especially everywhere in in the world, you're taught that if you get below like a 70% in anything, that it's a bad grade. It's a D. It's an F. It's something terrible, you know. And so but a 7 out of 10 hitting a high line is actually pretty good, you know. And so I think if we can start thinking, kind of be thinking about those kind of ideas and allow setting our practices. practices up to where we're testing our own statistics yeah and then now we have a benchmark you know and that's how you see growth because you'll be able to see that maybe after the first month you didn't get a a, the number that you liked but each month you're improving and i guarantee you as those numbers improve your gameplay is going to improve and finally your finishes are going to improve so, yeah, so
0: I 100% agree with that. You have to find the targets. You have to say, "All right, I'm holding myself to this objective test." And with passing it's tough because you want to make it as objective as possible. It's not <laughs> ideal for everybody to get out there and, and put a hoop in the middle of the court, but one of the ones that I really like that you could do alone at home, it's you know, and it's not necessarily full on serve receive, but if you serve a ball against a basketball backboard and you just try to pass it back into the hoop, you give yourself one point for hitting the rim and you give yourself three points for getting it in and then just keep you know do that 20 times and every 20 times you just keep getting better on that keep your score score. yeah Yeah. and And it's simple yeah
1: it's way harder people are making it way harder to see how much better they're getting you know when it's just these little ideas that you can use
0: to see your Mm -hmm. growth by yourself so with our testing if you guys are ever interested in seeing how we rate the better at beach volleyball players we don't have it on the screen but i can type it up here you go to www.betteratbeach.com forward slash level two test. That's the easiest. That's the basic, basic, basic test that we have. And it's a, a number one, it is a, a knowledge test. And number two, it's also a performance test. And you'll see the video on that. That's how we rate and test our players. And I want you guys to go check that out because it's going to show you how we test our players at camps, at clinics, and our classes to see if they're actually upgrading. And These are objective tests that you guys can use. So the whole video is there. The whole knowledge assessment is there. And that'll lead you into level three test, which is just beyond complete beginner. And then level four test, which might be in A player comparatively. So if you guys want to check that out, take the written test and try to pass that physical test, we're we're actually coming up with an academy where you can get ranked and come to certain camps because of it. But check that out. Betterbeach.com forward slash level. To test that will start you and lead you through all of the tests that we have, and you can do those physicals at home. You know, we'll show you on the video exactly how to do it.
1: And if you're an organizer or you run your own tournaments, leagues, whatever, and you're wondering how these people should be ranked, oh, Johnny always signs up for AA even though he's a... these are the reason that we built this is because it shows what type of volleyball player they are. You know, mm-hmm. one of my favorite things to see at camp is when somebody comes for the first time and they pass their level two and then they try for level three and they happen to fail. And then they come back and they've been working for a couple months. They come back, they took in a little bit more information from camp and then they're able to pass that level three. It's something that they do, you know, yeah. and they get rewarded for it. So it's it's a great system. If you have any type of league, if you're wondering what level you are, this is a gr-
0: great, great place to start. Yeah. All right. So this, like we said, this is going to be a quick hitter. So we got about eight minutes left and all we're going to talk about are the stats you want to pay attention to, right? Number one, we're just going to go simple for serving statistics. Your ace to error ratio. Now, most players, most coaches will say that you want to be at about a one to one ace to error ratio, which means if you're making an error, you're hitting it out, you're hitting the ball into the net. For every time you actually miss, you want to say, all right, maybe I've earned an ace. That is a good easy statistic for you to pay attention to how many aces did i get how many misses did i get because if i'm being so aggressive that i'm missing so much that i'm actually getting aces on you're not even giving yourself a chance to win those points. And yes, you might get that little kind of Vegas syndrome where you get one win every 10 times you miss. That doesn't work out for you in Vegas. It doesn't <coughs> work out for you in beach volleyball. It feels good when it happens and you think you struck gold, but over time that is going to lose you matches. You, there is a risk ratio that you need to take when you're talking about, all right, what's the other team side out percentage you know how good are these guys that we're playing? When when we serve them, are they are they siding out? Are they winning seven out of ten points? All right. Well, then we got to measure it back. Maybe we got to get them in trouble, uh, you know, more frequently. But if you give somebody a ball, again, we'll go back to especially the B A double A players. Many times against another team, somebody on the other net, they're actually making more errors than they get kills. That's the difference maker in the Mm -hmm. A tournaments. The people who win A tournaments are literally the ones who keep the ball in longer and make less errors. It's not the people who are mashing balls, getting kills. It's the people who are making less errors and forcing the other team to play because they will make more errors. There are some teams that you could literally shovel it back on one every time and just watch them throw their own game away. So very simple, ace to error ratio. Make sure that for every error that you have from the service line, that you're at least Making up for it with one ace, you know, or 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 at least forcing one free ball. Yeah, I like that, you know, because that's a
1: tricky statement, you know, because a lot of times, whenever people make it make an error on a serve, you know, I love the I I love what you're saying about the stay aggressive. You know, you got to earn an ace because that's the ratio that you're going for. But you also you don't want to overcorrect, you know, like there still has to be some kind of control within your game. I like the idea of trying to put them in a tricky situation where you're either acing them or you're you're looking at getting a free ball in return.
0: I, I think that those can kind of go hand in hand. Yeah. The next thing we'll talk about, aside from probably the most important for your game, is your attack percentage. So your attack percentage, for people who don't know, take the total times you swing that you have the opportunity to attack the ball. And then you take your kills. A kill is any time where you swing at the ball and the setter just does not have an opportunity to play it. You take your errors anytime you get blocked into the net or hit out of bounds. So you take your kills, you subtract your errors and you put that over or you divide it by the total attempts. So kills minus errors divided by total attempts. And that will give you a percentage. And just so you know, the attack percentage for women, or the percentage for the Olympics. And we got this from Volley uh, American Ball Coaches Association. The average in the Olympics was a 52 point. The top 10 teams, 53%. And the top three teams was 57.8% for women. That means that just above walls they get to attack was a kill, essentially. If we look at that from the AVP statistics from 2000, Theo Brunner actually led the 2021 hitting percentage and this might have been from only one or two tournaments, but he was attacking at 53.5% or 0.35, however you want to say it mathematically. After him was Troy Field at 512 or 51.2%. And then DeFalco, when he played at 506, and then Phil Dahlhauser right behind him at at 50% exactly. And if we take that with the women from 2021, so we're just above 50% for the top side out percentage, top hitting percentage was different than side out percentage. April Ross led the field with 53.2% behind her. Karen Cloth, incredible to get this out of a 21-year-old, was 52.8%. And then Jessica Gaffney and Carissa Cook, both at 51%. So if you're looking at one of the most important statistics that you can take. It's every time you get to swing, how many getting a kill, how many times you make it an error kills, minus errors divided by total attacks.
1: It gets, obviously, when you're playing, this is something that you're not going to be keeping track when you're on the court. It's pretty hard to think about this, but something that you're, when you're watching film, this is a great thing to look at when you're watching film. Uh, if you're lucky enough to play for a club or you have a coach, then mo- more than likely they're going to be keeping this statistics to- statistic for you. And as you're kind of collecting this data and you're thinking about it, it's also important to keep in mind maybe what type of set you're hitting. What team are you playing against? You know, you'll probably see that your hitting percentages will change depending on who you're playing. Maybe when you hit a when you're playing against a big blocker, you tend to make more errors or something like that. So, it's a nice tool to look at and think about, okay, I had some trouble this match. My hitting percentage was this amount depending on your math, you know, and then it allows you to go back and look and see what was the cause for this hitting percentage. You know, I think a lot of us, we just write down the number and then we move on, you know, but remember statistics are taken because it's something that's going to allow you to reflect back on it. So whenever we're thinking about attack percentage, side out percentage, anything like that, we have to use that information to help our game. So just make sure that once you get that information, you're thinking about why, why it's happening and how you got there. It, it especially if it was a great game you know if it was a great game what did you do did you run a specific set did your was your setter setting you a, a specific way were you just in the zone you know so whatever that is we we just need to have those
0: conversations what did you just wrap up on apologies I had to run it.
1: just talked about how hitting percentages like whenever we're looking at them and Obviously, I said, or I said, you're going to be taking this information and in after the game. So it's just important to remember, looking at it afterwards, what got you to that? You know, so a lot of times I think we run out of time to really analyze ourselves. So we look and we're like, oh, my hitting percentage for this game was 34%. But then we don't go back and look and, be, and realize what caused me to have that poor of a hitting percentage or an or a side out percentage. So just kind of reminded everyone that afterwards to use that information to help build yourself up. Definitely.
0: One of the biggest difference makers that they noticed in the men's game, especially was blocks per set for the top teams. And the the unfortunate part about this is that we can't really measure this at the a, AA or B level because you shouldn't be blocking most of the time. A block is a terminal play and blockers play a massive role in the men's game, you know, getting touches affecting the player and getting like real points. And when you take a look at like Andy mole from Norway, who might be the best blocker in the world, he's getting close, almost pushing three blocks per set. That means that you're starting the game up three Oh, you know, and then it's just like side out percentage from there. It's kind of crazy that he's getting that many blocks and three blocks per set is, is an insane clip, you know, most other players, high level blockers somewhere around one and a half and a half to two and you're hoping for two and that's a great game for a blocker if they're affecting the player and the rest of the points too but those are terminal stuff blocks you know so block percentage or blocks per set becomes pretty high in terms of importance
1: yeah and especially we i think we've talked about this before but in a lot of matches whenever it's competitive so pretty much in any semi-final final that you're mm-hmm. playing in honestly i don't care what level it is you know if you're able to bring three points to your team for a block then you're putting your team in a very very good spot and it's crazy that Andy is doing this and it's a large sample size most of the time when we're talking about this number it's like oh man this guy had a great tournament in Mexico he had three blocks per set but we're talking
0: like this is his average <laughs> right Uh, It's just silly. And the last two, we're just going to touch on them quickly. That You know, digs per game or digs per set is what we're saying. When we say digs per game, we're we're talking digs per set. That's a big one. But again, if you're trying to compare yourself to AVP players or FIVB players, you should be destroying us in digs per game because the attack quality that you're facing isn't necessarily great. So this is one of those ones where you say, for me, I want this many digs per game and all you need to focus on as a player is improving yours holding yourself to that standard and you know per set you're gonna realize that some teams just hit out your blocker blocks them and you just don't get that many digs but you're still winning so that's okay you know or you don't get that many digs and maybe you're losing but this is a long-term long-term thing that you want to take you want to say all right over four matches over that's eight sets maybe you know eight to twelve sets how many Digs per set, am I getting? And how do I increase that? Because you cannot improve what you do not measure. So, if you're talking about, oh, I need better defense, well, how many digs are you getting right now? If you don't have that answer, we get a lot of players in our online courses. They say, I got to get better at defense. I got to get bigger at hard dri- at digging hard driven balls. My first question back to them when they're filling out their goal setting stuff is, hey, how many digs per set are you getting right now? Because if you don't know that, then we can't help you fix it. You know, we don't know if you're not getting hard driven digs because the other team's only hitting two or three hard balls, but you're digging the rest of the shots. Cool, then then you're playing some good defense. So this is a long-term thing. Make sure you're measuring digs per set and just record as always, especially like our online students, they know our, you record everything you do. That way you can look at it, you can check in on your posture, check in on your positioning and we have tools to help you measure. If you cannot measure, you cannot fix it and you're just shooting in the dark. So digs per set becomes important and if you guys are interested in learning what it takes like AVP player, top digs per set was actually Chase Frischman at 6.25 in 2021, uh, Grant over Gorman from Canada played in AVP. He was at five point eight eight, and your boy Mark Burrick, was at four point eight six. So you're looking at somewhere between five and six at the top of the AVP, top of the FIVB, between five and six digs per set. Of course, you don't need that many digs per set if you got a rock star blocker in front of you, but sometimes rock star blockers also increase your digs per set. If we look at the women's game, women on average are getting significantly more digs per set than men. Right, so that's it's an increase of almost two. Uh, so if you're looking at the top of the women's game, you're looking at seven for 2021. The dig per set leader was Brooke Sweat at 7.23 and then Emily Stockman at 6.8 and Kristen Nuss again crazy to have a 21 year old back there when her hitting percentage, her partner had the best, second best hitting percentage and she had the third best digs per set. That is a quality team right there. And that's, you know, six and a half digs per set. That's measurable. You can figure that out and then in practice you go back to drawing board and say all right how do we increase these numbers
1: yeah and i think those defensive statistics actually calm me down a little bit before i start playing You know i think a lot of times when we're playing defense we think i have to get this play every single time you know but i think hearing those statistics about three blocks per set you know and that's a lot and then those six digs per set five digs per set whichever you want to listen to it allows you to stay a little bit more patient and make you realize that like you know what i've got 21 points and as long as i can get close to that number then i'm gonna set myself up for victory you know i think a lot of people get too frantic throughout an entire match they don't realize that number and that's when you start to see people fall apart completely because they, they start being like oh my gosh i need to get this dig and whenever you have that feeling that's when things start to fall apart a little bit so personally
0: i think hearing those numbers kind of calms me down a little bit yeah but and it's should you know it makes you think like oh i don't need a dig on every single play i just you need, need Im- really you need information in on there every you know. single play but you don't necessarily need the dig yes we Touched on that in a few of our other videos, but tracking mm-hmm. what's going on, how to make somebody comfortable that's going to lead to a dig two or three points later where then you can take advantage. It's not always just getting pissed off you know. every single time you don't get a dig or a shot. You'll see top level players be completely calm about losing a point because we mm-hmm. know that the other team has spent 20 years learning how to win points. They're supposed to do that. They're supposed to side out and have a side out percentage of between 60 and 70%. They're supposed to have a, an attacking percentage one out of every two balls. right? So we're not looking for a dig on every point. Of course, will take it, but you're not going to get all moany when you're not getting one and pouty. And I think a right. lot of more amateur players expect to get a dig at every point and they get so upset, but that's when you know that they're not really thinking long-term mm-hmm. thinking strategy. Okay, this will lead to a dig on the next point because now I see why he got that. Last one you guys want to pay attention to is passing percentage. This is very measurable, but it's also kind of subjective. So we usually go on a three-point passing scale, right? If you pass a ball that is perfect, the setter can walk into it comfortably. You know, I, I always make the joke at camps, like, sip a little uh, an espresso and then set. You know, just chill and set on balance. That's a three point pass. Two point pass is something that the setter can get their hand or platform on, but they're not exactly in system. The ball's a little far from the net, or maybe it's a little too tight and the setter can get there and they can still make a good set, but they wouldn't necessarily even have like an option to attack if they wanted to. So that's the differentiator between a three point pass, something where that setter can do anything they want, you know, and comfortably, or a two point pass where they're kind of forced into one maneuver and you're not exactly in in a great and or the ball might be in the the back half of the court or something like that and then a one-point pass is something that the the setter can barely get their hands on and they're desperate but they can play the ball now a zero would be an overpass or an ace and then again you take that total number so you, you give each pass a score and then you divide it by the total number of attempts and then that's how you are getting your passing percentage and that's measurable and it's improvable. And you can take an average of three different matches and say, okay, now I have my measurement of passing that is usually going to lead to better sets. And this is something that we can improve. And you said it, you know, putting a a square four by four foot box, you can use that same three point passing skill. And if you really want to simplify it, just measure good and bad. You know, if you don't want to do the math, just take 20 passes and say good or be tough on yourself and know your own standards and say bad and measure it, write it down in your journal real quick. Take a look at the end of the week or the end of the month, like you said, and then see what you can fix. But guys, you cannot fix what you don't measure and if you're telling me and asking me and I've get, I get all the DMs, get all the emails, how do I fix this? How do I improve this? Where are you right now? That's what you have to answer first. Okay. And that's it. You know, of course at the elite level, you have to be above a two four. You know, you gotta be consistent, very, very consistent against tough servers. And it is very difficult to get elite passers out of system. You know, it's always threes and twos and on the oddball, once per set you might get an overpass per set, you might get an ace. So we're not getting zeros very often at all, but this is something measurable that you guys can take home and uh, complete it for yourself. I gotta run, Brandon. Yep. Quick and easy. Quick and easy. Guys, hope you guys enjoyed this. If you wanna learn more about stats, number one, to figure out where you are, where you are right now, start at the betteratbeach.com forward slash level two, that's the number two test, Betterbeach.com forward slash level two test. Try out that physical, see if you can pass it, then move on to the level three test. Try out that written test and try out the physical and see where you're at. And the level four is where it gets really challenging. And uh, I wish you luck if you wanna go there, but the videos are all there. They're set for you. That's how we rate our players. That is our system for showing them if they're improving, if they're hitting the next level. And we invite you to give it a shot. And if you want to upgrade and work with us online, uh, that's what hundreds of players are doing right now with our coaching staff. And we keep growing our coaching staff, which is cool. If you wanna come to a camp or book a clinic, you know where to find us, but we're heading out for today. So I will see you on the stand.